Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our Sunday morning Internet Global Church service. I'm so happy that you're here today joining me as we study the Word of God together, because I believe that God once again will meet your needs. He will speak to your heart, and the Holy Spirit will guide you from victory to victory, strength to strength, glory to glory, and from one level of faith to the next. Praise God, you're going higher in the Lord today. Praise the Lord. Before we jump into today's primary message, let us first receive the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. I have a verse for you. This would be Exodus chapter 35, verse 4. It says, And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it in as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze. Praise the Lord. Today, as you honor the Lord with your tithes, today as you honor the Lord with your faithful, regular giving, I would like to give you the opportunity to sow into a special season of giving that we have for a few days, uh, and this started last Wednesday. Uh, this will be for the television cameras and the associated camera equipment, such as the tripods and uh, the cables, the lines, and things like that. Okay, so we are pulling together the Lord's blessing for the purchase of two professional studio cameras. And look, when these cameras are purchased through your generous giving, I'm going to take these two cameras. I'm going to sit them on this desk right here. I want you to see what you have been a part of. I want you to see what your giving enables this ministry to do as we are working together to throw a net around the world that we, although we are not professional fishermen in the sense of hauling in salmon and tuna, that we working together can reap a harvest of souls through preaching and teaching the gospel around the world. Now, this is something that we do together. Notice that Moses was directed by the Lord to take up a special offering and to let the people of Israel know, hey, if you want to get involved in this and you have a willing heart to give, and, and, and these gifts were going towards the construction of the tabernacle, which was, which was very, very lavish, a lot of gold, a, lo a lot of incredible embroidery on high uh, expensive uh, cloth and other types of materials that would really take people with a phenomenal level of gifting and craftsmanship to bring out. I mean, there's everything going on in this chapter from stone cutting to uh, just those who can work with engraving in, uh, in, into gold and things like that. This is a very, very amazing chapter. But Moses said hey, said, hey, I'm giving you an opportunity to get involved in the work of the Lord. In other words, Moses could not stand before the people and say, you know what? Uh, we're going to build a tabernacle, and I'm just going to pull out my checkbook, and I, Moses, I'm going to pay for the whole thing. 
He can't do that. The work is bigger than him. The, the ministry is bigger than me. I can't pull out uh, my checkbook and say, I'm just going to cover it all. Because as a ministry grows, there's no way that the minister himself can support the, min- the, the overall work. Now, when it comes to my own uh, personal expenses, my own house, my own vehicle, and things like that, well, I take care of those things, praise the Lord. But when it comes to the ministry work, which is way beyond me, way beyond one person, then we have the opportunity of all joining in together. And I think that it's wonderful to see Moses receiving an offering. In the New Testament, you see Paul receiving an offering. I I know that there are some ministers, they don't want to receive a special offering. They think that God should just somehow magically speak to the people. Pastor Stephen, if it's God, well, then God will just magically somehow speak to the people to suddenly all give for a television camera. It doesn't work like that. If it did work like that, Moses wouldn't have to say anything. And and, and somehow the people would just know, oh, we're supposed to spontaneously give so that a tabernacle is built. We don't know what a tabernacle is. We've never seen one before, but somehow we're supposed to know that we're all supposed to build one and we're supposed to give an offering. My friends, the Bible, the Christian walk, in many ways is very pragmatic. It's practical. You don't have to try to be spooky spiritual. You just work the word. God told Moses, take up an offering. Moses told the people, hey, we're going to take up an offering. And if you have a good heart, you want to participate, come on, let's do something. We're going to build a beautiful tabernacle for the Lord. So I think the reason that some ministers don't like receiving special offerings is actually because they are embarrassed because of pride because they have to ask. They have to make the need known. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I feel very comfortable asking you if you would like to give and you have a good heart to be a part of this. Praise God. I'm, I am praying over every offering that comes in for the cameras that God touch you with a thousandfold increase based upon Deuteronomy 1.11. And this this little window of giving towards the cameras will soon close because we will have enough money. The cameras will be purchased. And so in essence, that window will be closed. But right now, my friends, if you would like to be involved in it, it is time. We are going to get two very beautiful cameras. As I mentioned earlier, I will take them and set them on this table and you can see them with your own eyeballs. Hallelujah. And you can see where your dollar went. I think that's very important. Praise God. Hallelujah. And it's going to be, it's going to be something special. So I'm very comfortable. First of all, because I love you guys. I, I know many of you who are watching many of you. I I've never met in person, but I pray for you. So I know that you're here on a very regular basis twice a week, sometimes more than that. And I know that we have a good relationship. I feel very comfortable talking to friends saying, let's pull together an offering for the Lord for the Lord's of the Lord's work so that we can get two really good television cameras. By the way, there's a difference between consumer cameras and prosumer 
and professional, okay? We're going professional level. This is not something that you can just go out to Best Buy and buy. These kind of cameras, they don't carry at Best Buy. <laughs> Hallelujah. These are re really nice. You will be able to see what we're going to purchase once they're done. I'm going to put them on the table so that you can see. How about that? I'll put them on the table, and we can have a corporate prayer because these cameras are going to be used to send the gospel around the world. My friends, we have been streaming on the internet for over eight years, but we are now moving beyond just streaming on the internet to now going into production for television. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's fun. It's fun. And we all have a part in this glory to God. So if Moses could receive an offering, if Paul can receive an offering, I'll find somewhere in there for me to get in there as well. Praise God to receive what the Lord says. It's time. He told me that it's time to get the cameras. Praise God. Okay. So Moses said, he said, take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. Okay. Let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. I, I love that about the Lord. Nothing's ever coerced, forced, or anything like that. Okay, so just do whatever you can do. Uh, I would ask that you would give your best because we want, to, we want to get the best on behalf of the Lord. Praise God. We want to get professional gear. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, he said, bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze. Praise God. Hallelujah. So send it in by faith, by faith. Now, uh, if this is something that's beyond your normal giving, this is not your normal tithe or, or a normal offering. If you're a ministry partner, this is something beyond that. Then please note on your giving, whether you're mailing it in or over the internet, make a little note and say, uh, Pastor Stephen, this is for the cameras. Okay. You may even want to write cameras, Deuteronomy 111. Okay. Cause every offering for the cameras, I am going to be praying over the giving, whether it's $5, $500, $50, or, or $3 or whatever. Okay. Do what you can do, but I will be praying for every person to experience a thousand fold increase in a specified aspect of their life. Well, there will be a time where you can look back on your life and you can say, God has increased me a thousandfold in this particular area. And really, when you stop and think about that, you could see many, many ways in which God could do that with no strain. Praise God. I've seen him do it in my life. I've seen him do it in the lives of others. And I believe you will have a special testimony as well. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. All right. So let's bring the tithes and offerings and the special camera offering into the storehouse of the Lord. Now at this time, if you would like to mail in your tithes and offerings through a check, please send them to Stephen Brooks international PO box three, four, five, six. The city is Mooresville M O O R E S V I L L E North Carolina, our zip code two, eight, one one seven. If you want to bring in your tithes and your special offering online, simply visit the ministry website, www.stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called tithes and offerings. And if you're sending something special for the cameras, just put that as well in that little notation box on your, on your online giving form and just say, pastor Stephen, this or this amount is for the cameras and put Deuteronomy one eleven. Praise God. I'm praying for every person 
who was sowing a seed into this offering for the cameras. I'm so happy that we can do this together. I, I have to admit, maybe you figure this out. I'm not Bill Gates. I don't have $85 billion sitting over somewhere in my personal account. I need your help. This is a ministry work. This is not a Stephen Brooks work. <laughs> this is a ministry work. We have a ministry team. We have, we not only have a ministry team, but we have uh, many companies that we work with that are uh, sub-providers of services uh, that this ministry needs. So there is outcome and outlay. There's no way one person can do it. So I'm not Bill Gates. I'm not Warren Buffett. And you know what? Even if Bill Gates had a ministry, Bill Gates should not have to fund everything himself. After all, the Apostle Paul said, who goes into the military and serves at his own expense? Can you imagine joining the military? You're just a soldier. You're going in as a private, the lowest rank possible. And they say, you're going to drive this tank. You think, okay, great. You'll teach me how to drive it? Yes. Now, you also need to go buy your own tank. You'd be like, well, I can't buy that. That costs $200 million. Well, see, the government supplies it. When you're in the kingdom of God, then God provides. How does he provide? Through his precious giving people. By the way, that's why I want to see you prosper. That's why I want you to be a tither. I want you to understand the significance of sowing seed so that you can prosper. Because the better you do, the more you empowered, the, the, the better you do financially, the more empowered you are to continue to be a kingdom impactor through your powerful seeds of giving. Okay, Heavenly Father, I pray for your people, just as you spoke to Moses to receive a special offering from the children of Israel for the construction of the tabernacle. Father, you have spoken to me, and I speak to your people around the world through the internet that they uh, that they sow a special seed, those that are willing, that would like to be a part of this, for the purchase, not the renting, but for the purchase of two beautiful professional cameras for studio use, for preaching the gospel through the medium of television. Father, we just thank you for this. Touch your people's hearts. Show them exactly what they should do. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, bring it into the storehouse of God. By the way, some of you have already sown your special camera seed. It has been received. I am praying for you. Praise the Lord. Very, very exciting what God is doing. I tell you what, I don't think there's anything more exciting than preaching the gospel to the nations of the world. Because we're, you and me, we're going to share in these rewards when we get to heaven. That's why I'm excited about going to heaven. <laughs> because we're going to do a world of good while we're here. And then when we get there, then we can rest. Then we can kick our feet up, talk, have fun, and do a lot of the things perhaps that we didn't have time or didn't have the ability to do down here, we can do it then. Then we can rest from our work. Until then, we want to do all we can for the Lord. I feel so happy talking to you. I feel such freedom talking to you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you for your precious giving. Hallelujah. Now today... I want us to go to the book of Acts, chapter 1, known in the Bible as the Acts of the Apostles. 
and in some ways could be titled the acts or the events carried out by the Holy Spirit. We want to talk about some really neat things today. So hold your place in Acts chapter 1. We'll pick up there in just a minute. A little reminder again that we have the Best of Israel tour in 2018. This will be in the month of May. My friends, you need to come to Israel to experience the glory of the Lord. Look, it's very hard to have a prophetic understanding of the end times if you don't understand the significance and the placement of the nation of Israel in the unfolding of world events. The dates, May 20th through the 30th of May 2018. You need to come to Israel to understand the context in which much of the Bible was written. When you see the land of Israel, the city of Nazareth, when you see the city of Jerusalem, when you see these desert areas, when you see Jericho, so much of the Bible begins to make sense because now you can frame it in your mind in the right context. When you look back at a lot of the great paintings from the Renaissance, from the Baroque era, when you look at some of these incredible oil paintings that were done by Europeans as they painted biblical events, you realize that the painters got it all wrong. I mean, they've got, they've got the uh, Jewish people in the Holy Land looking like they're living in France, wearing European clothes from the 1500s. But see, when you actually go to the land of Israel, the context begins to make sense. And then once you have the right context, so much begins to take on a new and accurate and truthful meaning. So I want you to come to Israel with my wife and I on tour. This is a very, very comfortable tour. You will be well fed, well taken care of, beautiful hotels, air conditioned bus, professional tour guide, Israeli tour guide. Oh, hallelujah. I think I'm going to have a hard time getting you on that plane to go back home after it's over with because it is just such a wonderful experience. Praise the Lord. So please pray about coming. It only costs $300 to get registered. You can just make payments towards your down, uh, uh, the overall payment. And uh, the overall payment is, let's see here, if you're flying out of JFK. Now, I know many of you will need a connecting flight from your hometown up to JFK, which is New York. But the price is $3,848, $3,848. So come on, put $300 down, get registered, come with my wife and I to Israel. It will be fun all the way. The whole thing's fun. The flight is fun. The arrival is fun. The time there is great. The uh, Flying back, everything is just glorious. Hallelujah. I believe we'll encounter the Lord also in a very special way. You'll be blessed in more ways than you can count. Praise God. All right, we're in Acts chapter 1. Heavenly Father, let your word come alive by the quickening power of your Holy Spirit. Let us understand it. Let us be effective believers. Let us be informed. Let us be enlightened. Hallelujah. By your Spirit. Father, you said that your spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
So, Lord, there's some things we can only understand by you turning on the light. So we pray that the lights come on within our hearts, within our understanding today as we jump into your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in Acts chapter 1. And verse 3 talks about the Lord Jesus. It says, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father. So the apostles here being instructed to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized or immersed or placed into with the Holy spirit. Not many days from now, verse six, a great question coming up. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him honestly, I would probably have asked the same thing. This is tremendous momentum with the Lord's resurrection. You stop and think about the, the magnitude of this. Here is the Lord showing them the, the scars, the holes in his hands, holes in his feet, where he was pierced at in his side. He's standing before them doing many infallible proofs. And I mean, it's just like we have momentum. Why go away, Lord? Why stop? Let's, let's carry this on in the natural level. That's going to lead to this question. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I can, I can really feel the heartbeat of the apostles on this one because they have already been promised by the Lord, the, the 12. Now we're minus one. Judas Iscariot has gone out and he's killed himself. He's committed suicide. Now we're down to 11, but the 11 have received the promise that each one of them, and by the way, we, we're going to get back to 12 with Matthias becoming the 12th apostle. It's always good to stay close to the Lord. You never know. The Lord might need to fill a position. And you just happen to be available and qualified. And sometimes you get to feel what somebody else vacated. Now, the 12 knew that they were each going to govern over one of the 12 tribes of Israel. They've already known that. The Lord mentions that to them at least twice in Scripture. So they're thinking, hey, wow, Lord, you're resurrected from the dead. You're back. You're appearing to us. We remember that you were going to uh, set up an earthly kingdom. Uh, we certainly haven't forgotten the promise of the reward that we will be able to rule along with you and help you govern this planet as we each reign over one of the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, it's like when a new president comes in to the U.S., that president gets to pick his cabinet members. He wants a tremendous supporting team to help him govern. So in some ways, the 12 apostles are the Lord's cabinet members. And you know what? I think we can all identify with this. Human government, no matter how good it is, 
can leave us oftentimes feeling cheated. And I have to, I have to thank for, you know, at least going back to the 80s. I think a lot of our national leadership have really taken advantage of their positions. See, when we elect an official into an office, that person is supposed to be a representative of us. But what takes place many times or has taken place is that an official gets into their elected position and then they begin to use that position to gain selfish or self-serving gain. They, they many times sell out and the Democrats have done it. The Republicans have done it. You see it from both sides. These people that are supposed to be our spokesmen or spokeswoman, they get in there and then they meet up with special interest groups and the special interest groups basically say, well, hey, you know, if you'll kind of like work it so that we have the legality to do what we need to do, we'll give you a speaking fee of $500,000. And so the person takes a speaking fee for $500,000 to appease the special interest groups, whether it's banks, whether it's other uh, industries that are just wanting to move ahead without any regulations hindering them. And this is really just politicians selling their soul for their own personal gain, having no care really for the heart of the average American citizen or person. And so there is so much fraud, so much corruption, and even when you have good leadership, even within the good leadership, you have others that are trying to undermine that, that are still trying to throw wrenches into the gears and just make things difficult. So there's a longing in all of our hearts to say, Lord, Maranatha, come quickly. In other words, Lord, you set up your kingdom. You rule and reign and show them how it's all done. Because we know with you, there will be absolute truth. With you, there will be absolute fairness. With you, there will be, there will be consequences for wrong. And I think that's another thing that has been very frustrating for the American people is that when an average American citizen does something wrong, that person goes to jail or prison. But when a corrupt politician does something wrong and takes millions and millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars, then they get away with it. And we're left thinking, well, where is the justice in this? But when the Lord comes, that stuff will all be stopped. Not only will he put a stop to it, but he's going to have an incredible administrative team, an executive cabinet made up of the 12 apostles and many other very, very righteous men and women governing along with him. There won't be anybody uh, getting, a, a, you know, how can we say, uh, pulling things off without the Lord knowing about it. I mean, Jesus is God. God in the flesh will be governing this planet for 1,000 years during what is known as the millennium reign. Once that is complete, then we step over into really a clockless, timeless area where we roll, in essence, into eternity. Woo, it's going it's to just be getting better and better and better as we go. But the Lord is going to rule and reign over this planet, and he's going to show the world uh, how this is supposed to be done. Well, they say, Lord, will you at this time 
restore the kingdom to Israel. Lord, is it time for you to set up your throne? We're right here with you because we're going to rule with you. And hey, now as good as time as any. Let's go for it. Well, what they're, what they're also saying in essence is, Lord, we've had about enough of these Romans. But we're getting really, really irritated with these uh, heathen Romans. Stop and think about it for a moment. Those of you that have been to Israel, why is it that when you stay or stand in certain places of Israel, let's say Caesarea by the sea, why does it feel like that if you were just dropped off there and nobody told you where you were at, why does it feel like you're in Europe? Hmm? Why is it when you visit Betshin and you stand there and you look at all the Roman columns and you look at the amphitheater and you look at all of this Romans, why does it feel that although you're standing in the middle of Israel, why do you feel like you're in Europe? Because of the influence that Rome think Italian, okay, the influence that Rome had over that entire part of the world. And what we know as Israel was under the complete dominion of Rome. And so it was very, very difficult for the Jewish people to submit to being conquered. Very, very fascinating. And so the apostles are like, hey, Lord, are you ready to set up your kingdom, which means, you know, that just means, hey, is it time to throw the Romans out? Time to get these guys off their backs? Woo! Very, very interesting. Well, if the Lord would have said yes, this could have, this could have began to unroll very, very quickly. It's not time. We, we know that. But all he would have to do would be one thing. And remember, he's invincible now. I mean, he can appear he can disappear. He can walk through walls. He is God in the flesh. Wow. I mean, even, even before they couldn't kill him. The only way he could die was to lay his life down. But now he's back and he'll never die again. So uh, all, all he would have had to have done is walk into Jerusalem. And he didn't do it. Now, he did appear in their houses in Jerusalem, but he only went into the house and appeared. But other times during those 40 days he was teaching, he did that out in remote areas. Why did Jesus not walk back into Jerusalem? Can you imagine what would have happened if he had did that? All he would have had to done is hold his hands up with the nail uh, holes in his hands and walk into Jerusalem and go over to Pilate's area, say, hey, Pilate, you remember me? Remember what you did to me? Let me show you my back. Remember when you scourged my back? See all the scars back here? You did that to me. Your time's over. You're done, buddy. But he didn't do that. Now, Herod also, see, Pilate sent Jesus to Herod as well during this mock trial. And Herod saw Jesus, because he was always wanting to meet Jesus because he wanted to see a miracle. And so when he actually gets Jesus under house arrest and there's Jesus, you know, demeaned and degraded, uh, all, all Herod did was talk down to him and verbally abuse him. And so, you know, then Herod sends him back to Pilate. So Jesus could have dropped by and he could have paid a visit to Pilate, said, I'm back, but he didn't do it. But he could have also then walked over to Herod and said, hey, remember me? Remember how you spit in my face and degraded me? But he didn't do that. 
He also could have marched right back into Jerusalem and gone right back to the high priest. He could have spoke with Annas. He could have spoke with the father-in-law Caiaphas. He could have said, hey, remember me? Remember your servant punching me in the face with the palm of his hand? Remember how you guys took rods and beat me over the head with that? Remember all that stuff? Remember how you cursed me and said I had a demon? He, he didn't do that, did he? Wow. What would have happened if Jesus would have walked back into Jerusalem and said, I'm the king, bow the knee. And if you don't bow the knee, fire's coming out of my hands. I'm going to destroy all of you. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Hmm. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? See, the kingdom at this time, and Jesus tried to teach that, and a lot of, even a lot of the apostles couldn't quite grab it. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within because they were like, well, show us this kingdom. You know, what's it like? But the Lord was trying to tell them, it's, it's, it's within. This is not a kingdom of force. This is not like, well, I've got this army, and I've, you know, I'm raising up a militia out here, and you know, Peter is going to be my head general. No, it's a kingdom of God within. And so if the Lord right here, now remember, the apostles are not yet immersed in the spirit. They're not yet baptized in the spirit. The Holy Spirit brings light, revelation, understanding, illumination. There were some things that Jesus did not tell them directly. They couldn't have, they couldn't have understood it. It's like trying to give a baby a steak. The baby doesn't have the teeth to chew or doesn't have the development within the digestive system to digest this type of food. Let's keep it nice and easy with applesauce. So the Lord's not giving all the information, but can you imagine when the disciples said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What if the Lord would have said, well, you know, guys, not at this time to tell you the truth. It's not going to happen for at least another 2000 years. <laughs> they would have been just like, whoa, 2000 years. It, it just would have been too much at that point for them to try to wrap their brains around. But this is what the Lord said. He said to them in verse seven, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the father has put in his own authority. In other words, he's saying that's not the main focus today. I want to reveal to you what I believe the Lord would have you look at as being the main focus. I think sometimes people uh, like the apostles, they get a little bit uh, caught up in this uh, end time stuff. And I love the end time stuff. I love the book of Revelation. And I love uh, the teachings uh, concerning the book of Revelation, such as, you know, being able to determine the number of, you know, the beast, the Antichrist, and things like that, 666, in other words. But, my friends, that's not the main focus. There's, there's something different. Praise God. The, the main focus is not on the prophetic end time events, because a lot of that we're not into it yet. I believe that when the Antichrist is on the scene, that it will be very, very easy 
to, how can we say, calculate the number of this beast of the man. I I believe it'll be very, very easy. Anybody that's spiritual, that's godly, that's walking with God will be able to say this guy is an anti-Messiah. You have the Messiah. You just have the opposite, a slick, false anointing working in false miracles, signs, and wonders, because it says the false prophet will do false miracles, signs, and wonders, even calling down fire from heaven. But really, anybody that's walking with the Lord that knows the Bible will be able to look at that stuff and say, that's all fraudulent. None of that is of God. None of this glorifies Jesus Christ, the true Messiah. So uh, when we get there, it will begin to unfold more. But there are certain end-time events that we're not even into yet. So my friends, that's not the main focus, especially not the main focus when we're not even there yet. Now, I do believe, how can I say, we're in the last hour. We're definitely in the last quarter of the game. We're in the last inning of the game. But there's still some other events, scriptures, prophetic events, that have not yet been fulfilled. Technically, from a technical perspective, I know that the whole world is now under the coverage of satellite. And there are so many satellites that there is not one inch on this planet that is not covered with a satellite footprint. I also know that there are many ministers that are on so many satellite uh, networks that the gospel really is covering now the entire planet. The only thing, though, that you have to remember, because it, it, you can say that the gospel now covers the entire surface of the world through satellite, but you have to remember, not everybody has a satellite dish in their house. Not everybody has cable television. Not everybody even ha- not only not everybody doesn't have a satellite, a lot of people don't even have a TV. There's a lot of people that don't even have a radio, have no internet access. They live in a world that's completely void of what we call modern technology. You know, off the coast of India, there is an island and there's an it's an island that has native inhabitants who have lived on that island for a long, long time, and the government does not allow outsiders to go on that island. There were there were two fishermen that were in a boat. Uh, this was only just a couple of years ago. Uh, they were in a boat, and the, the two fishermen got drunk, and they got too close to that island. Well, while they were drunk, and it was nighttime, their boat drifted onto that island and landed, and the natives that lived on that island took them and and killed them. So I'm talking, these are natives that are still walking around carrying spears, uh, wearing, you know, animal skins to cover up their their growing area. Uh, So these are people that have, look, you know, they don't have televisions. They, They don't even know what a satellite is. So the fact that we do have global satellite coverage still doesn't mean Oh, you know, there's not work to do. There's a lot of work to do. There are entire ethnic groups that have never even heard of the name of Jesus. Wow. I, I mean, there you, you, you can see things like this in the news coming out of South America. Uh, there are certain countries in South America that still have ethnic tribes that have complete isolation. They have never had contact from the outside world, and sometimes 
an airplane will fly over or a helicopter that has long-range fuel capabilities. Sometimes they have flown over these remote tribal groups, and you see the tribal men down on the ground trying to shoot the helicopter. you got, got the guy flying over in the helicopter. The guys on the ground are trying to shoot the helicopter with a bow and arrow. Or there are guys down there trying to throw a spear up and hit the airplane. I mean, these are people that don't even know what a radio is. They have had no outside communication. And in many ways, such as that island off the coast of India and a lot of these native indigenous tribes of South America, the governments protect these indigenous groups and they don't want outside influence because in many ways it's the basic roots of their cultural heritage and they they try to preserve that with without the people being corrupted by modern influence so to think but you know what those people every person needs to have an opportunity to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know according to the law, I know according to Romans chapter 1, that even creation itself witnesses and testifies of the Lord. That even if you never heard the gospel, there is enough evidence within the creation itself that reveals God, that reveals a creator, that a person could acknowledge that and receive this God, this creator by faith as their savior, just through the witness of the natural creation. But my friends, we are called to go and take the gospel to all the world. So here's the thing to the early apostles standing there on the Mount of Olives, just before the G just before Jesus leaves long-term. Okay. They had no idea that this next segment of time, this next what we would call or theologians call a dispensation of grace, they had no idea that we're looking at a 2,000 year gap before a physical kingdom is actually set up. Praise the Lord. My friends, don't focus on the minor, focus on the major. Pastor Stephen, I've done a lot of study. I've done a lot of analyzing, and I've done a lot of scrutinizing, and I've come up with my formula of who I believe the Antichrist is. I think I've got it figured out. Oh, who's that? Pastor Stephen, it's my (laughs) mother-in-law. Well, technically that can't be right. Scripturally that can't be right because in the Bible the, the Antichrist is known as the man of sin. Now, if it is said the woman of sin, we might have to consider the mother-in-law, but she's off the hook. Praise God. God bless all the mother-in-laws. I love my mother-in-law. Hallelujah. But my friends, don't put an over-focus on things that we're not yet into. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Well, Pastor Stephen, then uh, what should we focus on? What should Jesus take the attention of the 12 and have them look towards? If it's not looking towards the setting up of the kingdom now from the perspective of a physical rule, Jesus sitting on a physical throne, the apostles on 12 thrones, uh, those saints who served well and lived well, also being given governmental positions throughout the earth to rule and reign as co-regents with Christ, then then what really should we be focusing on? I'm so glad you asked. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad that Jesus supplied the answer. Verse 8, but you, please put your hand on your heart and say, that's me. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
You know, I, I agree with the strategy, with the mentality of the great evangelist Billy Graham, who, who said, before you win all of the world, God wants to win all of you. Mm. See, Jesus said, wait, wait here. I know you've had a lot of teaching. You 12, you've, I, I taught you for three and a half years. Uh, I've been raised from the dead. You can see me, touch me, feel me. I'm going to stay around for 40 days, teach you some more. But still, wait here. Well, I'm ready to go now. Wait here until what? Until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Until you receive this power. Pastor Stephen, ain't nobody going to tell me to wait. I'm going. Now's the time. My friends... There's a big difference between God sending you and you sending yourself. There's a big difference between your own zeal and your own enthusiasm and the power of the Spirit to do what only God can do. Mm -mm. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Praise God. What you have here is a shift of focus from when's the world going to end? When's it all going to be wrapped up? When are we getting out of here? And when are these Romans finally going to be overthrown? To a focus of, you know what? We've got a lot of work to do. First of all, we need to be filled with power of the Holy Spirit and have a close walk with God. And then number two, we need to be focused on taking the gospel to all the world. No matter what the cost, we must be the generation that gets the job done. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. My friends, this is very, very exciting. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. This is a very, very similar verse. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And remember, Peter was there in Acts chapter 2 when he and the others were filled with the Holy Spirit. At verse 31, Peter and others are in this group again. And when they had prayed... The place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Not as if we never had it the first time, but rather in the sense just getting fully recharged, fully filled again. That is the focus. And it really comes down to a daily daily basis walking with God staying in prayer staying in the word staying on task with the primary assignment the other stuff is good I will focus on the major I have fun with the minor stuff I still like to have fun okay but the core the core thrust the core focus would be that of the major and we have to stay faithful in prayer as one great saint said prayer is not preparation for the greater works. Prayer is the greater work. See, when you have prayed, when you have prepared, then whatever the work is, you step into it, and the results come very easy. Why? Because of the preparation placed in there by prayer, 
time spent with God. But if you get off that focus and all you do is watch videos and, you know, listen to things about, you know, when's the world going to end? You know, do we need to buy guns? Do we need to get some ammo? Do we need to, uh, you you know, this, that, or the other. And and remember, there's a place for certain things. Jesus told the apostles, get a sword. And, uh, you know, the apostle said, oh, we've got two. He said, okay, that's enough. (laughs) And even Peter didn't really know how to use his. uh, Because when they arrested Jesus in the garden, Peter pulls out a sword and he takes off the ear, the right ear of the servant of the high priest. Well, Pastor Stephen, I always wondered why he cut his ear off. I'll tell you why he cut his ear off, because the servant was most likely wearing something on his head, and Peter hit him with a glancing blow. That's what happens. I've I've worked with some of these things before. If you don't hit it at the right angle, the cut and sever, it will glance off. But before it glances off, it glances down and then off. I think Peter, just from my personal experience with swords and swinging some things around that, thank goodness I never cut anything of myself off, uh, hallelujah, glory to God on that. I think Peter was trying to take the guy's head off. And uh, I think an angel caused it to be a glancing blow instead of a decapitation. Okay. So nevertheless, the Lord picked, uh, actually, I have to be honest, it doesn't say he picked his ear up. It doesn't say the Lord picked up the, the severed ear and put it back on. It just says that he prayed and the ear was restored. Wow. Well, I, I think that if Peter had cut the guy's head off, the Lord probably would have put a new head back on him. But it seems like an ear to me would be easier than a whole head. Praise God. Nevertheless, my friends, that's the story on that. So we have to be led by the Spirit, but we want to keep our focus where the focus is at. There's a lot of people pulling back. Remember, Jesus said, occupy till I come. That's one of the great parables he taught. One translation of that says, do business till I come. I've actually had good businessmen call me and say, Pastor Stephen, I've heard so much teaching about the end times. I, I think it's, it's wanting to make me shut down and just take my savings and just uh, kind of like pull back take care of me and my family and just let the world, you know, go off the edge of the world, you know, fall off the cliff into darkness. But I said, no, that's not biblical. We are supposed to be making wealth, generating wealth, taking the one talent that Jesus has given us and through gaining, through trading, turning it into 10 talents. One guy had one turned into five. One guy had one turned into 10. So we're supposed to be prospering, increasing until he comes back. Remember when he comes back, whenever we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air, as the apostle Paul taught first Thessalonians chapters four and chapter five. Well, when it's a wrap, it's a wrap. Then we can kick back, relax, have a lot of fun, okay? But till then, we really do have a lot of work to do, and we need to stay focused. It's all hands on deck. You need to succeed in your career. You need to advance in your career. And if you need to gain further levels of education, whether it's a master's or a Ph.D., then you, you need to move forward in that. Oh, Pastor Stephen, we don't have time for none of this. Jesus is coming back tomorrow. We don't have time. You need to live a life in essence of anticipating his return. You need to live a life in essence of 
He could come at any moment. I want to be ready, but you need to have planning. You need to have roots down and you need to occupy till he comes. That doesn't mean be flighty, take off. Occupy till he comes. Do business till he comes. Praise God. And for some of you, that means expand your business. It means you need to get larger facilities. You need to increase production. You need to expand overseas. You really need to go in. Uh, you need to go further into what God has called you because until this gospel is preached into all the world, okay, and the, the, there's, there's islands. I know for a fact there are entire island groups where people, they've never heard the gospel. I know, I know some groups, they've, they've, they have no Bible. They, they could, even if you gave them a Bible, they couldn't read it. Their, their language is not translatable into anything outside of their own little region. So we need more Bible translators. I do believe God's going to speed a lot of this up. I do believe there will be gift, uh, gifts of interpretation where people can go in there, have the gifts of the Spirit manifest, and instead of taking two years to get a good Bible translation, we can do this much, much quicker by the supernatural utterances of the Holy Spirit, learning that language quickly, learning the native tongue, being able to translate that over. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to help us, but even still, my friends, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. So what should we do? Well, we should receive power. We should let the, by the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit come upon us continually. And we should be witnesses in our Jerusalem, our hometown, our local area, and in all Judea and Samaria, the extended regions, and to the end of the earth. Praise God. So my friends, it comes back to a daily walk with the Lord. You have to walk with the Lord. So much of the focus of the epistles and moving out of the gospels is into the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you. And Jesus himself said, look, it's expedient for you guys talking to the 12 that I leave because he can't come until I leave. And the He is the Holy Spirit. He will speak of me. He will reveal me to you. And so it's going to be good that I go because He will come. Well, He's now here. It's very, very important from the perspective of a New Testament Christian to constantly stay filled fresh with the Holy Spirit. So much of this, of this ongoing walk with the Lord, it comes down to a daily basis not walking with the Lord when the Antichrist shows up, not suddenly getting close to God when the false prophet's on the scene and he's doing all of his weird, bizarre works. No, it's walking with the Lord now, preaching the gospel, being a part of partnering with the work of the Lord so that we can take it together to the four corners of the earth. Wow, my friends, there's a lot involved in this, and it's all rooted out of your daily walk with God, staying filled fresh with the Spirit. Now, what I hold here in my hands, I bought at the Staples, a local office supply store. This cost me $9. You might be shocked at how much of a blessing you can get out of $9. And inside of this journal, and I I like the ones that have the soft bound material, not that hard stuff that cracks, but this is a nice soft uh, material. And in here is a journal that I keep of my daily 
time spent with the Lord, whether it's time reading the Bible, whether it's time spent with prayer, what I do at night, just before I go to bed, I write down how much time I spent with the Lord. And so what I can do is I can go back and I can review a week and I can see day by day, week by week, how much time I put in with the Lord. I can go back quite some time because I've got quite a few of these journals. But my friends, what this will do is when you take time to do this in your devotional walk with the Lord, a, a record, a journal will reveal to you any spiritual discrepancies and weaknesses. All of your losses can be traced back to lack of wisdom, lack of understanding, lack of knowledge, lack of time spent with the Lord. If you're wanting to gain the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, this is right here, the wisdom of God. The more you know this book and the light gets turned on by the Holy Spirit, who is the illuminator, the more of the wisdom of the God uh, of God you're going to have and your, your walk, your life will just get simpler and easier and easier because that's what the wisdom of God will do. But if you're inconsistent with your walk with God, it will be revealed in a journal. It's very, very interesting. All serious athletes have a journal. All Olympic athletes have a journal. Most Olympic athletes, and then those that are on professional level, they all have coaches that are on pay, that are on salary, that that athlete reports to and communicates with every every day. Uh, maybe not on the telephone, but at least by email, because they, the coach is wanting to make sure the athlete is following the regiment that has been carefully planned and assigned and tailor-made for that athlete. Praise God. That's the use for a journal. And if you are wanting to be serious about staying close to God, staying on focus, receiving this power of the Holy Spirit, that I can tell you exactly where your walk of God is at by looking at your journal. Now, I don't really want to look at your journal, but if, if you had a journal, I could look at it and just glance at it. I could tell you, this is, this is why you're either winning or losing. Woo! I, I felt to get real quiet on the internet world when I said that. Praise God. I'm going to show you something. I, I, I've never shown you this before, and I pulled it out. I went and found it. I had to dig it out of a box. I went and found it. And let's go back to the year 1984. What I'm holding in my hand is from the year 1984. These are my training logs that my coach demanded pretty much that I keep. And he said, Stephen, if you want to become a champion high school runner, you're going to have to have a journal. You're going to have to have a log that I can check so that these recommendations that I'm making for you, how much mileage you need to be running every day. And uh, because we can't do it all after school on the track, you need to be running in the morning. We're going to have some track workout, but he said, I can't follow you in the mornings. I can't follow you on the weekends. I can't follow you during the summer. So you need to have a record of your training so that that after a period of time we can sit down we can talk about it i can look at your mileage from a daily perspective weekly perspective monthly perspective is very very important so here's the whole thing 
when I wanted to get serious about winning is when I started putting together a training journal. Hallelujah. When you want to get serious about walking with God, people say, Pastor Stephen, I I just can't get filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know why. Well, some of that goes back to the seeking some of that goes back to the under, uh, uh, really, it's a lack of understanding. There's a blockage. Why? Well, we can look at that journal. We can, we can find out. And a lot of times people say they're seeking, seeking, seeking. If you could look at their journal, you'd find out there's probably not as much seeking going on as people often make it out to be. So, my friends, uh, this is from the year 1984. And I, this tells me Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday that on this month, here's, here's December, okay? Tells me how many miles I ran on this day, the next day, the next day, even what the weather is like, even comments. How about that? Five miles, Sunday, December the, uh, December the 9th, 1984, on that day in the morning, I ran five miles, completed the whole route without stopping, Hmm. says I felt a little bit of stomach pain, but overall felt pretty good. The weather that day uh, was sunny, slight breeze, 80 degrees. Okay, pretty good. And I, 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 could, I could just share this with you page after page, week after week. And when I was a senior in high school, anywhere in that region of the state where I was at, and there's a bunch of schools, I wasn't concerned. Anytime I showed up, I knew I was going to win first place. <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, how, how could you know? Because I, I did the work. And the coach would look at my training journal. He, he said, nobody can touch you. You're going you're gonna to win. You're going to win. And I would. I'd show up to track meet. Everybody else racing for second. <laughs> and it was fun. It was fun. Look, if you put the work in, the results will speak for themselves. Pastor Stephen I'd like to have a strong walk with God. The Holy Spirit will help you, but you're, you're going to have to put the work in. And to keep yourself honest, keep a journal. Keep a journal. Praise God. Can I be honest, can I be honest with you? And I always wanted to be honest with you. I guess when I say be honest, can I be open with you? I want to be open and just speak from my heart. Here's what I want to say and be open. Winning's fun. It really is. It's fun standing on the podium. They put the ribbon around your neck. It's got the gold thing. Everybody's looking, and you, you feel kind of special, and you, and you just feel rewarded. You feel rewarded inside that you did your best, and you also feel, you feel appreciated because others, uh, they're able to appreciate you know, all the sweat equity and all the stuff that you went through to cross the finish line first. It's nice. It's nice opening up the paper, and there's your picture and stuff like that, crossing the line first. It's really interesting to look back and times that I, I, I underperformed. I can find out why. I can take the mystery out of underperformance. I could take the mystery out of, you know, why it didn't pan out. I can take the mystery out of all of it. Why? Go back to the journal. Uh-oh, got sick that week. Monday, zero miles. Horrible weather, had the flu. Tuesday, zero miles. Wednesday, zero miles. How about that? And then, you know, you go and you wonder why you didn't run a very fast time. Well, that's, that's why, stuff like that. So, my friends, if you keep a journal, you can look back on it. I've still got mine from high school. I have a journal from college because when I went to college, the training went to a new level. The competition, of course, went to a new level and so forth. But I got a lot faster also. 
Hallelujah. My friends, if you want to walk with the Lord and move into a place where you really begin to make some serious progress with God, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And, and so you want that power. You really want to be an effective witness. You really want to have a strong walk with God, and you want to make an impact nationally, locally, globally. How about that? Then keep, keep a journal. You, I'm telling you, it will reveal your strengths, and it will reveal your discrepancies. And if you have shortcomings, you won't want to look at it, but you'll think, oh, I know I'm going to be able to look in here, and I'm going to be able to see that I didn't put that preparation in like I should have. And when it goes great, and you just flowed, and you were who God made you to be, you can look in there, and you'll say, well, it's no surprise. I put the work in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord Jesus Christ today. Mm. Put your time in with the Lord. Be a spiritual person. Why, Pastor Stephen? We, we, we could just have it all in tomorrow. Why? 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 Let me share with you why. Please take keen note and realize that you're still here, right? You're sitting here watching me, whether on live stream, YouTube, whatever format you're watching me on. And you're sitting down or maybe listening in a car or maybe you're listening to me on iTunes and you're sitting there. And the reality is, yes, you're stuck in traffic right now. You're chopping carrots right now. You're combing your hair, brushing your teeth right now. The reality is you're still here. You're still here. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Lord, let's just wrap it all up. We don't really need a Gentile dispensation. Let's just eliminate 2,000 years of wasted time. And Lord Jesus, just go in there now and grab that pilot by the neck and throw him in the prison and go slap Herod upside the face a few times and make sure that those guys get scourged for what they did to you. And let's just set up the kingdom now and let's roll. What if you're still here 40 years from now? Hmm? Don't you think that since that could be a reality, that you should really put down some roots, get serious about your walk with the Lord, be filled with the Spirit, walk close with God, walk in the power of the Spirit. So much of that comes out of relationship, comes out of devotional life. Even as Peter later in Acts chapter 4, filled again with the Spirit, the whole house shaking with the power of God because of their dynamic prayer life. My friends... You can go to Office Max, Office Supply Store, go to Staples, and for $9, get you something that will take you to a new level in your walk with God. And you can look at it, and it will reveal your strengths. It will reveal your weaknesses. You can make adjustments, make corrections, get things dialed in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You'll never meet a world-class athlete who doesn't have a journal. It's impossible. It's impossible. It doesn't exist. You'll never meet a coach on a professional level that doesn't have a plan, a daily plan. It all comes down to what you do. It's not so much the overall picture as it is you win this thing day by day by day. All you have to do is what you can do today. Tomorrow, as Jesus said, Jesus said tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Let's focus on today. Glory to God. You win it one day at a time. doesn't matter if you're a professional NFL football team or a collegiate powerhouse football team. It comes down to your daily training, your daily training. Glory. 
what happens is when you really get in a flow, when you really get dialed in, you won't let anything interrupt it. Why? Because winning's too much fun. It's just too much fun. <laughs> and once you once you've had that, that walk with God of victory, that nearness with the Lord, hearing from God, you're just like, what what else am I going to trade this in for? So I'm, I'm I'm supposed to drop this and exchange this for what? What else can? What is, see, this is the origin of life. This uh, this is the origin of strength. This is where strength comes from. This is the origin, not just of success, but of joy in itself. So why am I going to pull out of this and replace it with something else that can only be lesser? Mm, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostles said, it's not fitting that we should step back from what we're doing and serve tables. Now there is a place for serving, but they're serving in their calling. That's why they said, we must give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now you may not be an apostle, but you can be apostolic in nature in the sense that you know priorities. You know what comes first. It's your walk with God. You must stay Please hear me today. This is what this is all about. This is the main focus. You must, at all cost, stay filled with the Holy Spirit. That, in a nutshell, is what I'm trying to express to you. You must stay filled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing daily basis. One of the best ways to gauge that, to sustain that, to support that, and to make sure you don't fall off the pace, get a journal. Get a journal. My daily entries are only about 20 words. That's it. I'm not trying to write a book. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to keep pace and record and track of my spiritual walk with the Lord. That's all I'm trying to do. It's not like a journal where I'm writing three pages. Uh, no, I'm actually praying or studying the Word. All I'm trying to do is just say, I did that. I did it for this amount of time, and uh, maybe caught a certain revelation. If I catch a special revelation, I'll write that down so I won't forget it. Maybe I'll plug that later into a book or to a chapter that I'm teaching. But the fact of the matter is that it's a record. It is a record of your walk with God. Praise the Lord. If you're serious about your walk with the Lord, you'll be merging into that. It's very, very helpful. And the thank, you can do it. For seven or nine dollars, I saw I saw a beautiful journal on sale the other day for three dollars. I just thought, wow! For three dollars, a person's life could be changed. <laughs> Glory to the Lord! Glory to the Lord! Get you something that you like that makes you happy, and just take it with you. I, I take I take my my record of my spiritual walk with the Lord with me everywhere I go. It's always every single time in my briefcase. I don't, there's never a day that passes that I don't put something in there. Why? Because it's a track record for my success. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'm teaching you what works for me and what has helped me. Praise God. I believe it can be a blessing in your life as well as we all endeavor to stay focused on the main thing. There's a lot of other things that will grab your attention and even other things that are fun to look into. I like, 
I like uh, reading and exploring in my free time fun stuff. I like researching where is the true site of the Temple Mount. I don't believe it's where most of the so-called experts say it's at because after all it was lost the location was lost for over a thousand years and so you realize that what a lot of people teach is just redundant repetitive teaching of somebody who really didn't know in the first place so sometimes you dig into some things and begin to study you realize hey this uh there's a lot more to this than what has been uh, taught so that th those are fun things but always always stay on the main thing for a new testament believer the greatest thing that you can do is stay filled with the spirit songs coming out you're ministering to others in your respected field you're just full of god you're spending time in the word spending time in prayer just loving your brothers and sisters loving your enemies loving everybody loving god glory to god that is the priority for a New Testament Christian, be filled with the Spirit. Father, I pray for your people today to be a fresh touch of your Spirit upon their lives. Lord, that you bless them to get a good journal where they can keep track of their spiritual progress. Hallelujah. I thank you that they're getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and that their journal will verify that and prove that. I thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, bless your people today. Amen and amen. Praise God. You know, when I was in my early 20s, I'll never forget the day that I crossed the prayer threshold of 40 minutes. Ooh, I tell you what. I knew I was on the top of Mount Everest. I knew that this was the apex of spirituality. Move over. There is no higher realm. I tell you what, when I crossed 40 minutes, I knew I was breathing some rare air. And you know what? In many ways, I was. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Not because I've reached this time, but rather because I had set a goal. And for me, and at that point in my walk with God, I just thought, man, this is awesome. And I, I could feel the effects, the strength of that relationship with God. But my friends, I did begin to realize there's still more. Then I read in the Bible, Jesus said, could you not tarry with me one hour? And then I began to realize even there's more. That Mark one thirty-five, Jesus would get up early in the morning, a great while before the sun ever came up, and he would go out and he would pray. I began to realize these other beautiful secrets, sometimes in a sense hidden in the word of God, because it says in the Bible, it's the glory of God for a king to search out. A matter. So my friends, what you can do as you write down your spiritual progress is that you will look back on it and you will say, wow, I remember when I used to pray that long and look how much stronger I've gotten now. See, none of this is legalism. This is all prayer inspiration, prayer motivation, all based out of a desire to know the Lord better. Praise God. Father, we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. I pray that you have found today some form of encouragement and edification in the things of God. So let's take communion today. Praise the Lord. We are going to receive Holy Communion. Can you imagine? 30 years from now, you'll pull out your prayer journal, and you'll be able to look back, and you can see what you were praying 30 years ago. Take some notes. Hallelujah. Take some notes. Have fun. 
Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We pray over it. We consecrate it. This is blessed. This is now the flesh and blood of Jesus. Please take communion with me, my friends. Father, we just thank you for the body of Jesus. We thank you for all the incredible promises that every week as we join together, it's as if we're discovering more gold, more amazing things that you invite us to step into. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who reveals Jesus to us. Father, we receive his body now in Jesus' name. Let's receive. Hallelujah. Praise God. I see you becoming a spiritual powerhouse. You're too much for the devil to handle. Why? You've got too much of God on the inside of you. Woo! Glory to God. You're walking around with like TNT on the inside of you, always ready to do good, prepared, anointed, blessed, highly favored by God everywhere you go. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that because of Christ and his shed blood and our trust and faith in him, our belief in him, that we have now come into a position of being the righteousness of you, O God, in Christ Jesus. We receive by faith and with humble hearts this spiritual standing. We bless you for it. Thank you for all that Jesus has done for us. We thank you for his blood. We receive it now in his name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. For many of us, we all have different schedules, waking up at different times, working different types of jobs, starting different hours of the day. Some people even work night shifts. Um, I would say this, if it's possible for you and you work during the day, it's always good spiritually to go big in the morning. Okay, try to get some good time in with the Lord in the morning. If you don't do that, sometimes you'll be chasing it all throughout the day, and sometimes you'll never get it. You'll never make it up. So we don't want just to have good intentions. We want to actually do the work. It's just like the athlete. He or she may have good intentions to go train, but the fact of the matter is until you walk through that gym's door and you begin to work out in that gym and you begin to sweat, and hit the weights or hit the iron, whatever it might be. It's not until you've accomplished it and done it that it will have value and impact in your life. My friends, I believe you're the person that goes in and gets it done. You're up, you're seeking God. Hallelujah. You're not just talk, you're the walk. Praise God. Hallelujah. And the pleasing results will be very, very much manifested in your life. Father, bless your people. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.